This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. In today's episode, I speak with Corey Hazama, a pelvic floor physical therapist and co-owner of Beyond Basics in New York City. She provides insight into the important and often unexpected ways pelvic floor physical therapy can help with a variety of women's health conditions. Most important, she helps us unlearn the old adage, that pain is something we women should grin and bear, and instead, she shares how pelvic floor PT may actually offer much-needed relief. And yes, she addresses the questions we are afraid to ask about what many call vagina massages. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. So tell us about yourself, including your background, how you got into pelvic floor PT, because I know you started out in ortho, and why you started your center beyond basics. Well, I went to college in Boston. Um, I, when I first was trying to figure out what career I wanted to look into when I graduated high school, someone mentioned to me uh, physical therapy, and I had no idea what it was. Uh, I just knew that I didn't want to sit in an office and I did some volunteer hours and I just loved working closely with people to help them rehab their injuries and get better and get back to the things they love to do. So I graduated from Simmons College in Boston and I moved to New York and that's where I started doing sports and orthopedic physical therapy. So it's mostly work with back pain, neck pain, knees, uh, some post-surgical things like rotator cuffs. And I was introduced to the Institute of Physical Art, which is a continuing education program with a lot of classes that teach you hands-on and manual skills. And I just fell in love with the material and their approach and decided to go for the certification for that. And it's a completely manual-based physical therapy. So you're using your hands to help mobilize joints and then also retrain body movements and how muscle and facilitating muscles to work correctly or in the right sequence. And uh, I started working with more and more complex injuries and more and more chronic pain type symptoms and syndromes. And I was finding that uh, the patients I were seeing had back pain and hip pain, and I couldn't figure out why they weren't getting better. And I was doing all the things in my tool bag that I had at the time to be able to rehab them and their symptoms were were not improving. And that's when I started to look a little bit closer at the components of the pelvis and the pelvic floor. And I just saw the intricate nature of how the pelvic floor and the pelvis works in relationship to the hips and, and the spine. And I really started to think, wow, I am missing a huge component here. I really need to get into a clinic where I can really start to study this and understand this relationship a little bit better. And I met Amy Stein. uh, Let's see, that was maybe about five or six years ago, uh, actually through my husband, who's also a physical therapist. 
And I interviewed with her and decided to completely switch my career path and start to do more pelvic floor. And I absolutely loved working with this population of people because we see men and women. uh, And I really started to see the things that I was doing having remarkable changes in the types of symptoms that I was seeing in the orthopedic population uh, that wasn't getting better. So I talked with Amy because we were just seeing so many patients at that time that we really needed to open another location. And so we opened the second Beyond Basic downtown about two years ago to just be able to access more and more patients and help more and more people. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. That's wonderful. And for those of you that don't know, downtown means uh, downtown Manhattan. They also have a midtown location. uh, So they're Manhattan based. But we promise all the wonderful things you hear will be relevant to wherever your location is. So hopefully you can find a pelvic floor physical therapist near you if you find the content here relevant to some of the situations you're facing personally. So let's talk about pelvic floor PT. What is it? Pelvic floor PT is, it really is a more of an orthopedic designation of physical therapy, in my opinion. Um, Physical therapists can treat cardiopulmonary conditions, neurological conditions, pediatrics, et cetera. Uh, So orthopedics is kind of any type of physical therapy that's treating any kind of muscular skeletal injury. So pelvic floor is specifically talking about the pelvic region, which includes the pelvic floor muscles, which are inside the pelvis. Um, But then also there's a very large component of education and pelvic health awareness and teaching that we do in regards to sexual function, bowel and bladder function, and how to maintain the best optimal function of those systems as well. And tell me a little bit about some of, I guess, some examples of conditions that can be treated with pelvic floor PT specifically. Sure. So very straightforward. Some of the things that we treat in regards to the pelvis is anything that has to do with, like I was talking about, the bones and the muscles and the joints of the pelvis, which can include tailbone pain. Somebody had a fall in their tailbone and now they have pain there when they're sitting. Uh, even, Even some types of hip pain, groin pain, we treat lower back pain or anything kind of below the below the waist. Uh, But then we also treat other conditions that maybe people aren't so familiar with, like uh, vaginismus, which is a involuntary contraction of the pelvic floor muscles whenever there is any type of penetration. We also work on, um, we can help patients with any pain that they're having, if they're having uh, debilitating pain with their periods, um, pain with intercourse. Uh, We also treat conditions where the pelvic floor muscles are maybe not coordinated or maybe not strong enough, which would result in symptoms of uh, urinary incontinence or even fecal incontinence. So there's a really wide range of things that we can treat. And how does one come to a pelvic floor PT? Because you know, you may have these conditions, right? And I think one of the things we talk a lot about uh, at Fertility for me is this spectrum of different types of specialists that one can go to for various treatment, but that given the way the healthcare system is, not everyone is aware. So there's a lot of um, awareness that we as patients need to have, which is part of why I wanted to interview you. So let's say I'm a woman and I'm at my OBGYN and I have, you know, a certain symptom and it's just not getting better. 
how do I know that I should come to you if my OBGYN, for example, may not be aware of pelvic floor PT? Because I'm sure you've seen a lot of examples of this. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, so it's getting, it's improving more and more the awareness uh, with the internet and um, just a lot of the education that's out there now. But typically, a lot of women have no idea that having pain during a gynecological exam is abnormal, but it really shouldn't be painful. So um, I, I'm hoping that more and more gynecologists with standard routine PAPs and um, using a speculum recognize when they're doing this exam, a woman's cringing or, you know, kind of flexing her legs in or saying that it's very painful and not just kind of ignoring that. There are specific doctors, uh, typically gynecologists, who have moved more into a specialty of sexual medicine, which can cover things like pain with intercourse, um, or they also have a better understanding of actually palpating the muscles around the vaginal canal and looking for if they recreate pain. Um, but again, I, I don't think it's, it's a common part of examination. I think a lot of women uh, need to ask their gynecologist if something's painful, you know, do you think physical therapy could help? And I think more and more women are starting to have that conversation. So pain is definitely something, you know, I've been hearing a lot about, and I know pain is certainly associated with endometriosis, but what other types of things would cause pain? So maybe part of my question is, um, you know, a lot of times, for example, endometriosis isn't easily diagnosed. And I would assume that a correct statement is just because you have pain doesn't mean you have endo. So I'd love to just given one in 10 women have endometriosis and pain is like a big symptom, but again, not always meaning you have endo. Maybe you could help break that down a little bit just for those who are struggling with pain and trying to figure out what all they need to do. And if PT can specifically help, if they need other things, or maybe they work with the PT to figure out, okay, it's PT plus more. Right. Um, I think so part of the, you know, uh, typically pain specifically with endometriosis is more of a symptom, I think. Uh, But there can be a lot of conditions that do result in having painful pelvic floor muscles. Um, When you think about where the pelvic floor is, it's underneath all your abdominal organs and your rectum runs through your pelvic floor muscles as does the vagina and the urethra and the bladder sitting right in front and is is supported by the the pelvic floor muscles. So any condition that has any irritation to any of those structures could potentially cause pain in the pelvic floor muscles. Muscles spasm in reaction to they guard, which causes, which is what causes the pain. But when something's not right, or they sense that something's not right, they go into protection mode and they contract and become shortened. Because just like you know, if someone's going to punch you in the stomach, you flex those muscles because you're trying to protect your, yourself or your organs from getting damaged. Um, so the muscles just react reflexively to sensing that something is not quite right in the area. So you can have pelvic floor muscle pain from symptoms like uh, IBS or Crohn's disease. Um, also painful bladder symptom, which is some, some people can get irritation of their bladder linings and then their bladder is irritated and inflamed, which then can get the pelvic floor muscles also irritated and tense. And that can result in pelvic floor muscle tension as well. 
Um, so in regards to endometriosis, endometriosis is a condition where cells that are similar to the lining of the uterus, that what is what we shred, shed during our menstrual cycle, uh, exist in other places and not just the lining of the uterus. So they can be inside the pelvis, it can be on the ovaries or within the abdomen, it can be on the um, like on the rectum, on the intestines and all, and it's, and what it's causing is a lot of irritation and a lot of inflammation because it's tissue that's not supposed to be there. So that inflammation is what irritates all those organs that it's affecting. And then that in turn can irritate the pelvic floor and result in that spasm and tension and pain that women are feeling. It is amazing when you think about the body, what a machine it is. I think a lot of us intuitively understand that, but when you're facing any of these conditions or symptoms, you really start to get in tune with just how much of a machine it is. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So I recently interviewed Dr. Allison Shrikande, who I know that you all work with, and she does more pelvic floor rehabilitation. And so I thought it would be helpful just very simply to break down the difference between someone who may go to a pelvic floor rehabilitation center versus someone who is a pelvic floor physical therapist. Okay. So pelvic floor physical therapy where, um, where we don't offer the interventions that the pelvic rehabilitation center can offer. So they're doing the injections. They're also prescribing the medications. They're medical doctors. We are not. So we're really just working on hands-on soft tissue mobilization techniques, uh, joint mobilizations, as well as some exercises um, to help to relax or retrain the muscles. And if that's not it, we're usually the first line of attack. So, you know, we want everything to be as little invasively, as invasive as possible. So if you don't need surgery or injections or medicine, it's kind of like you don't want to start there. So you usually start with physical therapy, which is as minimally invasive as we can be. So it's, we try to start that first. And if that's not working, typically women will just need, you just need a little bit more like oomph, you know, in your attack. So that's when typically we will refer to uh, Dr. Shirkande's group or, um, or a urologist or something, depending on which system we think is really the the driver behind things. And if we think it is the muscular skeletal system and it's not responding to our hands-on techniques, then maybe women or, or men can benefit from an injection uh, into the muscles, which helps the muscles to elongate and relax a little bit better. Or even a medication can also improve the what physical therapy is trying to accomplish. Okay. So we work together. That. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Because there's a lot of nuances in the field of medicine generally. And I think it's important to know about these subfields. Like, for example, I didn't realize until I spoke with you that there are OBGYNs who have a subspecialty in some cases for sexual health. So thanks for that info. So I've heard a lot of friends talking about vagina massages. So tell me more about these and how, how they help women. Because I could imagine... Even those of you who are hearing this podcast, perhaps cringing or being curious or a little bit of both. Um, And I'd love to get your perspective because I've heard really good things about it. And I know you've shared some of the 
valuable things you do for women and how you're able to work with people to shed any sort of embarrassment or uncomfort, knowing that the end of the day, it's all about helping women. So do tell. So this, <laughs> this massages is kind of a pet peeve of mine to begin with. I remember when I was going to physical therapy school and I have friends who'd be like, oh, just give me a massage. And I was like, no, that's not what we do. Uh, <laughs> we're much more specific. Uh, and we're looking for the dysfunctions within the muscles themselves to allow the muscles to elongate and relax. So it's, I like to call it more of soft tissue um, mobilization. And, um, and in regards to the vagina, yes, we do work intravaginally. We also work interrectally. So through the rectum as well uh, with gloved, one gloved finger. And honestly, it is the only way that we can actually get to these pelvic floor muscles. And, and it really has been, and again, in my learning process, you know, going from really just working on the outside of the body to being able to access these muscles, which are more internal or internal to the body. And it really was enlightening and, and eye-opening for me because I, again, like I was saying in my history, it, I was finding these patients where I just wasn't having, I wasn't helping their pain. And I then started to work in the pelvic floor field and we all get specialized training. So we all know how to palpate these muscles correctly and uh, in, in the, a manner where it's not too painful uh, using the sensitivity, you know, a certain level of sensitivity. And uh, all of a sudden I was feeling these muscles and I, I know from being able to palpate muscles on the outside of the body, like I, I know when something feels restricted or tight. And so I was palpating these areas um, on the pelvic floor and women were telling me like, wow, that is the pain that no one has been able to recreate, or that is the pain that is driving me crazy. Uh, and that's when it really, my level of understanding of just how important these muscles are and how much they can really cause pain kind of anywhere in the body uh, really just opened my eyes. Uh, I mean, I was having, you know, I used to just think, oh yeah, it's just, you know, those pelvic floor muscles, like, you know, women complaining of vaginal pain or like rectal pain, like that seemed to make sense to me. But all of a sudden when I was palpating these muscles internally, um, I was able to re recreate a woman's like abdominal pain or women who are like, oh, that's the pain that I feel that goes down the both of the back of my legs, stuff that didn't quite make sense in my head. But, but, you know, these muscles can refer to any place in the body. Uh, so it was, it was really um, a huge learning process for me. Um, so in regards to women who are a little skeptical or a little embarrassed, I would say that, um, you know, just like the muscles on the outside of your body. So if you had low back pain, we want to release the muscles that are holding tension or prohibiting you from moving the way that you really need to move. Um, these muscles just happen to be inside the body. And yes, we have to access them through the vagina. Um, but it's never something that you should feel you have to do. It's always your option and your choice. And again, all of us who work in pelvic floor have a lot of training. We have pelvic models, we have diagrams, and we can show you where they are and, and exactly what we're going to do it and explain what we're doing before we do it. And um, if any point you feel uncomfortable, you can absolutely tell us that that's not for you. And have you ever had women who show up and maybe they've either been a previous client or a new client where they're, they're just like, I can't do this. And, and how do you handle that? 
I mean, I think a lot of people come in a little bit scared, a little skeptical, especially if they're somebody who, who has been having a lot of pain. Like, say, for example, they can never use a tampon because it's too painful. Then in those instances, I would absolutely never probably start with an internal examination, you know, especially if someone's a little bit anxious about the whole situation or if it's going to cause more pain. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do external to the pelvic floor muscles. And there are some pelvic floor muscles that are more superficial to the skin that we can palpate from the outside. So that's usually where I start. And again, we do a lot of education, just kind of showing everybody, these are the muscles, this is their attachments, this is how they might cause you pain or the symptoms that they might produce. And that's why I'm thinking. So if someone comes in, they're telling me it hurts when I urinate, or I feel like I am urinating all the time. You know, I, I, I haven't, an awareness in my head that, you know, based on those symptoms that you're describing, that sounds like something that pelvic floor muscles could do and could be giving you that discomfort. Um, so eventually it might be something that we want to look at, but it's not something that we need to do today or tomorrow or next week. It's whenever you're ready. FemPower Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming FemTech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the Women's Health Innovation Series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health, having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's health care by bringing together critical stakeholders. Join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. That's great to hear. So for anyone listening here who's nervous, it sounds like there's definitely a process where one can feel like they're making progress and do what they need to do when they're most ready. So you mentioned a couple of times uh, dealing with pain and how, like, for example, during uh, an annual exam with your OBGYN, if you're cringing when they put the, um, they insert the, I forgot what the tool is, but (laughs) when they insert the speculum that, you know, it shouldn't feel painful. So this makes me think about how we as women just are not taught a lot about our bodies. Like I, I was talking to someone and they said, anyone can draw a penis, but for anyone to be able to draw women's reproductive parts, whether they're internal or external to the body, most people, even women can't. So let's talk about the things that we women don't know that about as far as what shouldn't be there. So besides when you're having your exam and having pain there, what have you found are things that women have just been with the, let's, let me grin it and bear it because we didn't know that it shouldn't be that way. And that's not normal. Cause I think it would be helpful just to educate us since we're just not taught that. Mm-hmm. So definitely in regards to gynecological exams, you know, I even remember back to like, you know, my mom describing it to me and she actually said that, oh yeah, it, it's uncomfortable. And so when it was really painful for me, I I remember thinking, oh, this is what she was talking about. Um, Same thing in regards to painful periods. You know, I think we all grew up with the, uh, with the the thought, you know, all our friends were all complaining, sitting around in the circle and complaining about, oh my gosh, I have the worst cramps ever. So it's almost becomes normal 
to have cramps. Um, but then there's probably that one out of 10 woman in that circle who is having debilitating cramps where she can't get out of bed or maybe it's causing her to throw up or she's missing class or work. Uh, and she thinks that that's normal. So again, I think there has to be kind of an understanding of like what's normal and just cramps and then the pain that women would have during, if they had something like endometriosis endometriosis is not just cramps. And so when it gets written off as though that's just your cramps, then I think that can be very damaging to, um, you know, someone's mental state, I think. Um, Also in regards to intercourse, I think how many times, I think, I forget what the statistic is, but it's something like one in four women in their lifetime will have pain during intercourse. I think there's a lot of times where it's like in somewhere along... (laughs) Somewhere along the line, we get this idea that, oh, yeah, it's about like, you know, pleasing the man and, you know, kind of like just kind of lying back and and just, you know, okay, just get through it. Um, And so I think having this understanding of that nothing should be painful, um, you know, nothing should, you know, like just be put up with, you know, that we have a right to um, having good pelvic health. And uh, we have the right to care and, um, and knowing that there is help out there is really important. And what if I were to live in a very small town that was hundreds of miles from a major city, having access to pelvic floor PT, I would assume maybe more challenging. Have you just... I mean, probably not being in New York City, but perhaps through discussions with colleagues, conferences you attend, or even in your own training, what have you seen with respect to that? And is there any, you know, helpful words of wisdom that you can offer to women who are struggling and are in a location where they may not have all these specialists and subspecialists uh, available to them to deal with some of the challenges that they're facing? Yeah, we're very much uh, aware of this. You know, I think that we get a little bit spoiled in New York City uh, because we do have access to some of the best doctors with the best awareness and knowledge regarding pelvic floor conditions and treatment. Um, And I do feel like there's a lack of knowledge and awareness, you know, in other parts of the country. And so we've always had at uh, our Beyond Basics locations a out-of-town program where women or men can come and stay in the city and get treatment for a week. And it's usually more than an hour a day uh, where we really, it's almost like boot camp for treating yourself. And so you really learn about your condition. You get a, a very thorough assessment from one of our physical therapists and you get a whole exercise program and we go through it with them because there really is, if you have the, the knowledge, um, a lot that you can do at home. And, um, but it's really having the guidance of the physical therapist to really help assess and, and guide you and give you um, the knowledge to be able to, to self-treat yourself. Um, it's actually <laughs> a really fascinating experience because recently with this whole COVID-19 uh, situation, uh, we've all as physical therapists really been pushed into doing more telehealth and online treatments with our patients. And so I really don't see that something that's going to be going away. And it really is going to be an incredible option, I think, for for people who don't have access to good pelvic health care in their areas to be able to do uh, consultations via the internet with someone who can help guide them through 
a program at home that they could do. That's great to know. I, I honestly didn't uh, know you all offered something like that. And I do think it's important um, to be able to have these options. And I, I do agree that COVID-19, granted, if someone listens to this podcast in a year, I, <laughs> I hope you hear that at least COVID-19 has made changes. I think it's really here to force all of us to think so differently about our lives from both a professional and personal perspective. Uh, so I'm glad that you all are getting creative and I hope this, this forces others as well, because, you know, at the end of the day, you're right in New York city, we're lucky. We get the best of the best of everything, but if you're living in a different location, it's really, really hard. And, and I hope that these changes per help, perhaps help those um, who don't have as much access. So we talked about the vagina massages as uh, the layman folks talk about it and how that really is a misrepresentation of what happens in some of the pelvic floor PT sessions based on need. Are there other misconceptions about pelvic floor PT that you would like to clear up? I I definitely think that, and this is within our own medical community, uh, they think a lot of pelvic floor physical therapists that we really just treat the pelvic floor, and that the pelvis seems for some reason to live in isolation of the rest of the body. I think that the, you know, I've had this experience myself, and again, coming from an orthopedic background and actually considering myself a pretty strong, you know, orthopedic manual therapist, all of a sudden I'm getting doctors who are referring a patient to me specifically for a pelvic floor condition, but then that patient also had a a hip labral tear repair and they're being sent to another physical therapist where I could almost certainly manage that condition in conjunction with the pelvic floor because it's probably related. Uh, And so I think that's the main, well, again, I'm like on my soapbox about this because I work at a clinic with some of the strongest orthopedic therapists that I've, I've ever met. And we really see the body in its entirety. And maybe something that's going on in the neck is actually impacting how someone's holding their pelvis. And maybe that's why they're having pain in their pelvis. So the misconception that you know we're just pelvic PTs, um, I really think needs to change and that we're actually you know whole body PTs, but with this special understanding and respect for the pelvic region. Um, so we're actually, in regards to orthopedic physical therapists, we're actually more whole body um, than probably some of them they are because we're actually treating in an area uh, that they may not necessarily have the training to or the experience to treat. That's a great explanation. And so by way of background, um, for those listening, part of how I got in touch with Corey is I was at an endometriosis summit in about four weeks ago. And all of a sudden I heard beyond basics is on our panel. I'm like, beyond basics. I know them. My son goes there. And so I uh, emailed uh, his physical therapist to say, please put me in touch with the person who heads your center. Cause I know you guys are great. And I want to learn more about pelvic floor PT. And, um, you know, even I've been educated by you around these different aspects. Like I face, um, I have hypermobility syndrome. And I now that I look back, I'm like, you know, I've been at physical therapists quite a lot in my life. And I think it's because of this. And, you know, I think given the experiences I've had, I'd also love to hear from you how someone determines what a good physical therapist is. And here's why I say this. Because of how many I've been to, I've been to the kind where you show up, they give you your exercises, 
They hang out in a corner talking to their colleagues and watch you do the exercises. Meanwhile, you're paying however many, you know, dollars. In those cases, it's usually a copay. And it seems like you're not getting better because you keep showing up there. The exercises aren't changing. They're not even really looking at you. Then I've been to physical therapists where where they sit next to you the entire time. They're manipulating you, giving you heat. Um, you know, the entire appointment, they are touching you unless you're on the table getting heat. So that's the spectrum I know. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, and, and perhaps, you know, to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, maybe for different types of conditions, you need different types of physical therapists. So let's be fair because not everyone can afford the $250 per visit physical therapy um, where they sit with you. Cause that does tend to be more expensive, but I think for the long run, when people think about trying to heal and not constantly having whatever issue they're facing, how can one make the best decision for themselves and judging who's going to be best to treat their condition? Yeah, I'm in absolute agreement with you. There are some conditions that, I mean, honestly, like you could do nothing and it would get better. Um, and I think in regards to choosing your physical therapist, you need to, I think, understand your own body as well as you possibly can. You know, if you have underlying conditions, like in your case, you have a hypermobility issue, um, you know, just going to your standard everyday, like, you know, four tables lined up in a row, you know, the PT seeing four people at once, kind of, you know, you do this, you do that, you do that, um, and you're not getting the direct uh, supervision, it could be actually really detrimental to you because when you're hypermobile, you're going to compensate and do things a little bit differently that maybe, you know, somebody else doesn't have to work through that. Um, so you could actually, you know, hyperextend your knee too far when you're doing an exercise and actually hurt yourself. And if someone's not watching you, um, that could really end up in a pretty bad injury. Uh, so I think it's like understanding, you know, what is, what is going on with you in regards to like, do I have underlying conditions? Um, how extensive is this? So like in regards to the patients that we're seeing, they're all um, fairly complex in the sense that they're also having, typically they're having pain and they're having bowel and bladder dysfunction. Um, they might also have a history of low back pain. They might've had a, an ankle, a broken ankle two years ago that, you know, they never really recovered from. Um, they've had, you know, they also have a history of migraines, you know, so it's like, you know, we're dealing with this understanding of there's more components that may um, come into play that we need to really consider. So a good physical therapist, you know, if you're going for, you tore your meniscus and you had surgery and now you really just need to get your knee stronger, then I think just, you know, anyone, you just need some really good exercises, some ice, some heat, um, maybe some of the e-stim to kind of get those muscles turned on. So that type of PT would be absolutely fine, you know, if that was your first knee injury or whatever. Um, but I think in regards to like, you know, the complexity of your condition, as well as like maybe you've been hurting for, you know, a year now, or you had hip pain and you've seen lots of other physical therapists and it's not getting better. That's when you really need to take the next step and really try to find uh, a physical therapist who has the understanding and the background and has done the, the extra education to really kind of get to the bottom of things because the, the basic stuff wasn't working. That's a really helpful explanation. And, and thank you for, you know, I guess, giving the full perspective, because we certainly don't want this to be about 
you know, certain physical therapists just aren't good. I think you're right. There's a spectrum and there's matching what's going on with you to what they're able to do. And, and I do agree with you. Like I had no idea I had all these other conditions. It was quite a lot of injuries and physical therapists before someone said, oh, you have hypermobility syndrome. And then I was like, ah, oh, now I'm putting the pieces together. So thank you for, for sharing that. So um, before we end, I guess I just wanted to get a few inspirational thoughts from you. So one would be specific to women's health. You know, we've talked a bit here and I've been talking to so many others around how there's just not a lot of information out there, but with Me Too and the Femtech, this is the time of Femtech. So a lot of great changes are happening. And I'd love to hear from you what your greatest hope is for women's health. I think I'm still, you know, I'm kind of in this place where I just kind of really truly believe that every single woman deserves the attention and treatment that, uh, that, you know, is that, that they, that are, they are deserving of, um, you know, I don't think any woman should get their pain overlooked or they should get pushed to the side. Um, I think, you know, taking people, the, the whole medical community, taking women's um, conditions seriously. You know, I remember just being absolutely floored when I heard that most clinical trials for drugs are on 160 pound males. And then they're prescribing the same uh, drug at the same prescription, you know, amount or whatever to women without even considering that this is a 120 pound female that is not a 160 pound male and then expecting the same results. So I, I really think, you know, moving in that direction of taking women's health more seriously and that we deserve the care and the research and the time and attention um, is really something that I'm, I'm hoping to see within my lifetime. <laughs> I do agree. And, uh, you know, we've, we've built a, a survey at Fertility for Me to try to start crowdsourcing from other women what their experiences are so that it's not so dis disparate as far as where the information is. Because I think the women's experiences are where we can learn where are the gaps, whether it be treatment, knowledge, research, and, uh, and we do hope to get more women to tell their stories so that we can figure out how to solve for it and maybe have an army of information to go to pharmaceutical companies, those who run clinical trials, um, product development, uh, to be able to help provide that information. So I, I do think this is the time and it is certainly very exciting. What inspires you? You've talked today so much about, you know, like your transition into pelvic floor physical therapy and just being able to see that transformation in patients that you couldn't treat before must be so impactful. Maybe you can talk about either expand on that or just other things that inspire you on a day-to-day -day basis to help your patients. No, yeah, so that that really was kind of a defining moment I think in my career was being able to see this change, and honestly, with the you know pelvic floor treatment, uh, in so many cases, it's just something that hasn't been looked at or hasn't been addressed. And so, oh, frequently, you're the first person who's actually thoroughly assessed it or, or started treating it, and the changes are really quite profound. Uh, and you're also giving people's lives back to them, you know, because I think it is just a, an integral part of your person who you are in regards to, you know your sexual function and your bowel and bladder health and, and all those things. And it really, I think, does so much to give, you know, because it's like when I was in orthopedics, I was like, 
yay, you can go upstairs, you know, but like when someone is able to have, you know, meaningful, pain-free sex for the first time, like, I mean, that is just so overwhelmingly amazing for me to be able to help someone with, with that. Um, you know, I get inspiration from my patients every day. I get inspiration from my, my coworkers. I mean, I'm so blessed to work with a group of women who are just constantly challenging themselves and pushing themselves to learn more and gain more insight uh, to really help people as, as much as they can. And they really push me to kind of stay on top of my game and continue to, uh, to, to, to teach myself and learn things every single day. And then, you know, see also seeing other physical therapists. I mean, I have had the opportunity to, you know, work with and see and take classes from, I mean, some of the most inspirational physical therapists in the world, I would consider, who are doing things that you never would even think that was possible through physical therapy. Um, so just, you know, having these people in my life has really been a major component and just wanting to be better every single day. What a great way to end our discussion. I can't thank you enough for making time. I'm grateful to have been at that conference because I think I was so laser focused on my son getting treated that I didn't even think to look broadly at the wonderful things you do for patients. And uh, just thank you again. And thank you for making time to be here today to educate our listeners around this option, especially when they're struggling and can't seem to find a way forward. I think this will be a, a great asset to all. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this discussion on the FemPower Health podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about FemPower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe to our show. And another way to support FemPower Health Podcast is to leave a review where you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, the information shared by FemPower Health is not medical advice, but for information purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health-related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. And that wraps up another empowering session here at the FemPower Health Podcast. Now, before you dash off, I've got a quick, exciting invitation for you. Please join our vibrant community by subscribing to our weekly newsletter because it's really your frontline update on groundbreaking women's health research, the latest health-enhancing products, fun quizzes to boost your health IQ, and unique discoveries that you won't want to miss. All of this delivered straight to your inbox, cutting through the noise of social media algorithms. 
Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at FemPower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge, neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stage ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com, drop us a message on social media, or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by FemPower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.